Welcome to Standout Life, a podcast dedicated to living boldly amongst the busyness. My name's Ali Hill, and as a psychologist, I love asking people questions. And I thought, what better way to do this than to get the people I admire into a studio to share their stories? This podcast is our corner of the world where all of us can dive deep into what it takes to live a standout life. Sarah is obsessed with wonder, productivity, creativity, innovation, and curious about all things. In fact, the weirder, the better. She is the producer, creative director, and curator for Combank's Wired for Wonder, an open architecture event dreamed up to create space for truly innovative thinking. She also has a bunch of other things on the side. She owns a baby shoe company called Sienna Baby, is a design thinking coach, a hypnotist, and an NLP practitioner. This year, in October, she's launching Nurture Her, which is a bizcation, that is a business vacation, held in Fiji, created with her bestie, Libby Babbitt, from The Biggest Loser, fusing well-being and wonder. Curiosity and wonder are Sarah's way of operating. She unpacks how she brings wonder into her world, even in the moments when her world is turned upside down with pain and chaos. Wonder is still her key. Sarah's insights are relevant for business, parenting, life, and navigating uncertainty, which, if we're really honest, is what we're all doing. Soak up the wisdom and the insights of the beautiful Sarah Nally. Sarah, it's amazing to have you in studio. The things we go to just to hang out, right? Seriously, yeah. <laughs> just get a microphone and, and call it a date. Yeah, totally, <laughs> yeah. totally. We might do this every Wednesday at like 1 o'clock. It. How's that sound? We'll I'm in. Let's lock it, it in. Make it a plan. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've had you on my radar for so long and just wanted to to sit and connect with you. Obviously, we met at a, um, a Women in Focus conference. I feel like it was maybe two years yeah, ago Yeah, when now. Stella was a little baby. Time has disappeared. Yeah, she was there fast. at that, wow. that conference. And I think there might have even been someone speaking on stage and you and I just sat in a corner and chatted. Yeah, and sorry was, to that speaker. Yeah, we had, I'm sure we it was had, amazing, we, but we had things We to had a do. little bit of a love fest to engage in, didn't we? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It was beautiful. It was lovely. And yeah. to be able to follow um, your journey but also be able to see what lights you up and the conversations you keep stepping into. This word wonder follows you around. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's got its magnetic attachment to you. I'm going to start by asking, was that always the case? So even growing up oh, as a I kid, that. was curiosity and wonder part of how you grew up or yeah. is that something you found? That is, it's funny. I was out with my mum last night. Um, the universe guided us to a, a Dr. Martini event, literally got tickets on the night, front row, amazing, such an extraordinary thing. And on the way there, mum said, you know, you've always been this little free-spirited, curious human who just wanted to pick things up and play with them and start new games and explore in the garden and, and do all those sorts of things. And I definitely get it from my mum and my dad. My mum's a teacher. She's really creative. And my dad is like Wonder Man. He's like the look at the moon, look at the sunset, look at the stars kind of guy. Like always been about trying to get us to really connect with things outside of ourselves. So I was brought up in a kind of wonder, wonder um, fueled kind of environment. Um, but it's definitely something that since becoming a mum, I've stepped into even more. How much did that, um, you know, pe- those parenting kind of styles really yeah. kind of influence you? Not only what you saw as a kid, but now, now it, being a mum. It's funny. I didn't even realise how futuristic my parents were until I became a parent myself. 
And I started reading literature and realising that they were these, like, amazingly futuristic humans who were really pushing the boundaries, uh, very anti-helicopter parenting, very much about us finding our own individual strengths. I'm one of four kids. And, and where do you sit in that? I'm the second. Yeah. So we, um, you know, we look to our parents to learn what, not to do, I think, as parents. But for me, I really looked to them to see what to do because I had a really lovely childhood, um, which, you know, it's pretty unusual. I think <laughs> a lot of people uh, have have crazy stuff un- unfold in their, children, in their childhoods. Um, so for me, I was like, okay, how do I recapture the most amazing parts of my childhood? Knowing that we live in a different world. You know, I grew up in Tasmania. I was running around with sheep and running around in in creeks and and making daisy chains in the backyard and collecting eggs from the chicken house down the back. And that free-range lifestyle was what really allowed me to be drenched in wonder. So how do you create that now? When and we in live a in city these, environment. Yeah, in cities, in, in build-up cities and, yeah. and in environments where it's scary. You know, like there's a lot of, of media out there talking about, uh, you know, what can happen to children and we're more educated than ever. We're saturated with fear in many, many ways. So for me, one of the things I did was actually look at, well, how can I recapture that innocence, that that wonder from my youth and try and create that environment for my kids? And I think I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you are, and I want to dive into yeah. into some of that. But growing up in Tassie, what did your dad do? He actually worked at the Pasmin Co. He was in HR, so okay. he was um, one of the first kind of HR professionals. You know, it was it was yep. a, an emerging role at the time, so it became went from payroll into human resources. There was an actual human responsible people for we other need people. To, <laughs> yeah, we need to look after and talk to. Yeah. And, <laughs> and mum was in education, so like being these people, people who were also mm. really. Um, interested and intrigued in how you teach others has been something that kind of stuck with me. So I'm a bit obsessed with unlocking human potential. People. Yeah. Has that rubbed off on your siblings as well? Yeah, it has actually. One of my other brothers is in HR, kind of REM. Um, My sister's in marketing, my other brother's in advertising, but we're all, all kind of into business and people for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you went on and did HR, Mm. I understand. Yeah, I did. Um, but you're not a typical HR chick. <laughs> what no. happened? Because I'm always picturing the moment that you walked into a HR desk and went, this is not what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> am, I, little, am I vaguely right? Suit. Yeah, you're so right. You're so right. Um, actually, second year uni, I realised it wasn't wasn't me. But I, I do trust that everything happens for a reason. And I sort of thought maybe, maybe I'm being led into this. And this, this is pretty big, like, for a 21-year-old to kind of think like this, but I had this level of trust that maybe I'm being led into this because there's something unique I can bring to this. And it certainly has been the case. Like I wasn't built to be behind an HR desk, but the things that I've been able to bring in terms of my creativity and kind of breaking down paradigms and really pushing the boundaries has actually meant that I've been able to create extraordinary inroads in corporate Australia in the way that people think and the way that we develop people and the way that we innovate and, and train, you know, humans. So, And you're right. You're so right. Like you need to have an inroad and sometimes it's having the language, sometimes it's understanding uh, what are the pain points that, yeah. you know, and... We, we do a lot of work with um, HR professionals, all of those out there, <laughs> the kind of listening, and and you can go in with these great things that you want to do, but spend your time 
dealing with redundancies, restructures, yeah. pulling harassment claims, the, the tough side of kind of but HR. Also and the reality really... of business, right? Mm. I think, um, and that's where I'm super grateful that I do have that grounding in my Bachelor of Business HR Psychology. It gave me this, this business grounding, um, which if I'd just gone in and been like Wonder Lass, <laughs> I think people would have thought I was pretty loopy. So it's got to be tied to something to yeah. have an inroad, to have the conversation. Yeah, anchored, anchored in, in a reality. <laughs> Where has that served you in the conversations in a corporate? It's corporate interesting. Work? Yeah, that's a good point. It's, it's being able to create that scaffolding around the bigger picture. So even if it's thinking about, um, for instance, when I uh, came up with the concept of Wired for Wonder when I was working at Combank, it was looking at spend. I was looking at learning and development spend and also looking at the ROI. And when you're actually looking at developing your people and you're talking ROI and spend, that's instantly going to get people's attention. Yep. If I'm just talking about creating a Burning Man-esque awesome festival <laughs> that's going to be really exciting and fun, it's not going to get across the line. And it's really interesting because a very similar event had been pitched four or five times unsuccessfully. And when I went in with this big idea, I actually got told 10, 11, 12 times by quite senior people, you're mad, it's not going to get across the line, like no one's going to want to do this. But it was actually this grounding and this understanding of business and this understanding of humans and, and spend and, and actually the realities of managing large teams that got it across the line. Yeah, It was like, pulling it back with those anchors. So actually going, you know what, there's strategic objectives to this madness. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This, yeah. this thing when that people I'm come calling, along, yeah, they're going to be different. Along, they're they're gonna, gonna... Yeah, they're going to experience this stuff. And, and I think that's really important because everyone wants to have fun. Um, and in business, you know this, like the fun ideas often get squashed because, well, there's business to be done. We don't have time. We, we don't, don't have the have money. Time, we'll we get around money. to that later. Um, I actually believe that actually when you have fun, you create more productivity. It's the same as, you know, if you make time for wellbeing, you're more productive. Flip things on its head and you actually will get better outcomes. But taking people from a very static way of doing business and then just trying to ask them to do that, it doesn't work. You know, we know in big businesses with established processes and practices, the best way to do it is to gently introduce a new process and gently introduce a new practice and show people strategic objectives and then tickle them as you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Blow some bubbles in their general right. direction you know, and see what happens. And some streamers and, and um, yeah, some slime. And <laughs> <laughs> This is what yeah. you meant by strategy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's where, I, like, I've jokingly said... Um, and when I when I did get wired for wonder across the line, people are still in shock. I think <laughs> that a bank does something so cool. Um, it was like people are going, "Oh, I don't understand how you did that." And I was like, "I hid the vegetables." <laughs> yeah, great analogy. You know, That's yeah. such As a moms, great analogy. We have to think outside the square. Yeah. Like, how do you get the good stuff in there? So, yeah. and it is um, it's that two pronged approach around. This is kind of where I. Think would need to go, but I need to understand. It's that empathy, really, yeah, which time. is at the core of marketing or selling or influencing any kind of message. Is going what's yeah. what's the pain points? What's actually going to make a shift? Mm. And you got to back it up with yeah. the magic. Like the magic also has to back up what you're going to say. This is it because if we just um, built and we're in our sixth year for White Fonda now, if we just built a festival and didn't actually have that that grounding that showed the ROI, that actually showed the shifts in thinking, that showed, you know, the knock-on effect, it would have happened once, you know, and people would have gone, oh, that was fun, you know, 
that we're not going to do it again. Yeah, and we're certainly not going to listen to any other ideas around it. For anyone who might be listening, what is Wired for Wonder? Oh, good question. So Wired for Wonder is an event that I dreamt up when I was working for Combank. I was actually in strategic resource management um, with 6,000 humans being moved around various sort of technology teams and, and looking at how we were developing them. And our biggest challenge was how do we get 6,000 people to think innovatively and creatively sustainably, not just these little spikes of they've gone to an awesome conference, they've come back, they've had a little bit of inspo and then it's sort of disappeared. How do we actually create a culture of innovation? And so that was a big hairy question for us to put out there. Um, And my idea was, well, let's create a TED style wonder immersion that brings together technology, life, business, science, arts, or it was STEM or STEAM before that kind of had an acronym. For me, it was about bringing together seemingly disparate concepts and ideas, uh, immersing people in a world of wonder, if you like, and then seeing what happened. And my background, obviously, with the HR psychology, I'm also a qualified hypnotherapist. I've done neuro-linguistic programming. I'm really interested in the whole what happens when you have an experience that shapes you kind of thing. These aha moments. These aha moments. And so it was about crafting an experience that really, like I keep saying this immersion word, but it is, it's like rather than just like dipping them and hoping that they'll change, gently immerse them in a world of wonder where they're exposed to things that they wouldn't normally be exposed to, but they feel safe to do it. I talk about pushing people outside of their comfort zone with a safe place to land. So the first year we brought out Brene Brown, Ping Fu, who wrote Internet Explorer. We had Jaron Lanier. We had Kevin Kelly, these like extraordinary thought leaders brought them on the stage in a performance-related environment. It was in NIDA, which is the National Institute of Dramatic Arts, and then put on really extraordinary food, fused it with music, really different lighting, and made it a performance-based experience. And people were, yeah, they are in awe. <laughs> it, was, it, was, um, it, it was everything we hoped it would be. So now this year, it was sixth year, we've got... Um, events in Melbourne, Sydney, and we're also doing a youth event in Sydney. So we've got uh, nearly 600 underprivileged kids from across schools in New South Wales coming together to experience their first Wired for Wonder, which is pretty exciting. Amazing. And what were some of those, I guess, return on investment when you're thinking about, because what we're talking about is an event in NIDA, performance-based, music food from a Commonwealth bank. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) At the moment, anyone seeing them in the media isn't getting great. Yeah, absolutely. So what was some of that return on investment for you to now be in your sixth year and and know that it's going to continue? What changed for people when they went back? So yeah, it was a great experience. Yeah. How are they different as workers going back into the workplace? I love that. We've got extraordinary examples of people changing jobs, um, changing the way that they were leading people, really thinking about their well-being and incorporating that and, and incorporating flexibility. And, and it's sort of breaking down some of these rigid paradigms that maybe were stopping them from living their most authentic life. Uh, so, yeah, there was this positive ripple within the bank for our staff and then we'd invited along customers and one of my big things was can we create an open architecture event? If we're going to invest in actually creating something for our people, why not open the, the doors and actually allow others to to explore this? You know, this is, if we're bringing the best and brightest speakers out here, then a small business who can't invest in the same level of learning and development as the bank, why wouldn't we give access to them? So being like opening the doors and actually being like, come along to this and and enjoy this with us was a pretty big experiment and a bit of a risk. But the payoff has been that the customers that came along 
they lose their mind. Like the testimonials that we get back are that they thought differently about their business, they thought differently about their hiring strategies, about diversity and inclusion and and themselves, which is obviously a key as well. So, yeah, some pretty big, big ripples happening. You've obviously sat at the feet of some pretty amazing, and you've, and you've mentioned some of the names of mm. Kevin Kelly, yeah. you know, you've had Guy Kawasaki, oh, yeah. Brene Brown, some, some <laughs> yeah. you know, front-running thought leaders mm. and um, movers and shakers of our world at the moment that you've been able to not only bring out for Wide for Wonder, but actually yeah. sit in the crowd of yes. um, with your own kind of wonder. Yeah. What has surprised you about the things that you've learnt from some of these speakers? <sighs> this has made me such a wonder addict. Um, there's a commonality to a really to great thought leaders for me, and it's it's authenticity. It's they know who they are and they know what their true north is. They're really aligned to who they are and what their message is. And I can now pluck an amazing thought leader from a room of a thousand people. You know, I can watch two minutes of a, a TED talk and know that they are on brand and have a really great message to share. What's um, that that you see then? What are yeah, you? I, I call it seeing their wonder. Um, yeah. It's yeah, it's quite a beautiful thing when you when you kind of see this. So I've seen thousands and thousands of people speak now and I've read obviously a lot of books and all those sorts of things. The learnings for me are don't be afraid to share that thing that you know. You know, like I think for years and years we felt like you needed to have a PhD in something to share and to be knowledgeable and for people to listen to you. But actually some of the best speakers in the world are just out there going, you know, opening up their heart and just sharing a story. And, you know, some of the best speeches that I've seen have just been someone just telling a story. Tony Powell, who was our creative director the first year uh, when I was off having my little baby, so we brought someone in to help out. She just got up there and, and shared a really vulnerable, beautiful story about her partner and it had everyone in tears, yeah. you know, and, and Tim and Judy Sharp, who are absolutely incredible, share their story. They're a mother-son uh, act if you like. Now they're an act because they, they speak around the world, uh, share their story about how they connected through art and how they actually found their communication through art. And, you know, that for me is absolutely extraordinary. What I love about having created something like Wide for Wonder is that it's not from a particular field. It's not like, oh, the best speakers in the world are scientists or the best speakers in the world are business people, you know, or the best speakers in the world are, are from a math background. Actually, the best speakers in the world are really normal humans who take that time to connect with themselves and understand that special something, something that they have to share with the world and then they push through the fear and they get on the stage and they share it. The one thing I love is actually standing backstage and seeing how nervous some of the best speakers in the world get mm. before they go out on stage and absolutely blitz it. So I've seen people guzzling um, rescue remedy <laughs> yeah, or, <wow. laughs> like, you know, big glasses of water before they go pacing back and forward or meditating or just taking the time to, to you know, connect. And it just reminds me that we're all humans, you know, and that's kind of beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. And everyone listening, I think you agree that everyone's got their own story and everyone's got yeah. a message and something that they know to be true and whatever platform it is, whether it's to one person, whether it's to 5,000, oh. that it's okay to share that. In fact, I think, it's important I think it's, to. I think we're meant to. Yeah. Like I think it's part of our purpose and I love what you just said there because it might just be that one-to-one -one connection. It might be a one-to-many, but you're meant to share it, you know, and the experiences that we have are... They're our, they're our, like, chapters, 
you know, they become the headings of our chapters. And if you tune into the horrible things that have happened in your life, they had something beautiful to teach you to. You know, and when I said I had a wonderful childhood, there was stuff that happened that wasn't ideal, but there were beautiful lessons that happened in that. And so, again, with that kind of wonder lens, you can actually really appreciate the good, the bad, the contrast, the polarity and, and find that, that is, that's part of what makes you you. Yeah. Some of that learning, and, and I, it's great, it's, um, it can be really easy to sit back and go, yeah, everyone's got a story, <laughs> yeah. yes, get up on a platform right until the moment that the spotlight's in your face. Yeah. And you go, yeah, but not me, not yet. I've just got to finish my book. I've just got to do this. Yeah. I'm not or ready. actually, you just heard that person who got on stage before me and they were amazing. The comparative yeah. stuff. So yeah. how have you navigated that for yourself, knowing that to be true, that people's authentic selves just show up? Oh, that's a good question. When the mirror gets turned to you, yeah. how have you actually put yourself out there? It's funny because for the first three years of Wired for Wonder, I was just behind the scenes. And it was, I think, year three, Mandy Ford, who's my events magician, I love her. She was like, babe, you need to be on stage, you know, this is this is your baby. Get out there. And I was like, nah, no way. Like, no, definitely not. And I ended up just, I just did it. Like, you know, people say, oh, I might have even seen Nadine Champion or someone like mm-hmm. that. And, you know, there's 10 seconds of courage, just count down and do it. And once you've done it, it is, it's like, okay, I've done that now and I can kind of move forward. But I think the negative self-talk is the thing you've got to master first because otherwise, and this happened to me once I'd been speaking for a couple of years, I got up and did a talk in front of 500 people, inevitably got onto Twitter afterwards to sort of see what the feedback was like and, you know, there were some really lovely comments and I was like, oh, yes, that's really good and I felt good about it. I felt like I'd really delivered a great message about design thinking and and being open-minded and really challenging the status quo and, and doing things differently and then there was this one lady who just started to troll me and I was like reading these and every time I read her comments I was like oh 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 my god and it who do I think I am where why did why did I go up and then I just took a moment and I went hang on a second firstly she's in your head like the reason you're reacting to this is because you've said this to yourself before so it's like it's like a a nightmare living Mm. itself out right it's like confirming your worst fears But, and I love this, my dad does it to me all the time, he goes, give me 17 examples. So this is about, like, finding that that balance, that mean between the poles. I couldn't find 17 examples. There was only one lady who was trolling me, and actually all the other comments were beautiful and really positive. And so I went, hang on, yeah, that's confirming your worst fear, but look how much confirmation there is of the opposite. And so I actually took the time to connect with that. And I think that's what we need to do. Like, instead of looking for the 15 examples where we're not good enough or the 15 people who are better than us around that, it's like, just look for that one nice comment from yourself or from someone else that pushes you into the zone. And then before you know it, there's more and more positive feedback and you grow through that experience. So... I love that. Good on you, Dad. Thanks, Dad. So you're showing me the 17. We're we're going to look for that. Um, And you're so right. It often, it hits the hardest because it is that confirmation of, see, I told myself, right? (laughs) Here's proof. I now have proof. On Twitter, on on a public (laughs) forum, that I'm an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she was actually making fun of me because I called myself a mumpreneur. And she was like, oh, no, 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 no like real like 
know, <laughs> worst yeah. nightmare. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but it's made me laugh in the end. Yeah. So, oh, good. We grow through these confronting experiences. <laughs> Can you think of a story? Um, and I'm going to come back to that word wonder. Yeah. Obviously, you see the world um, through this sense of wonder and and opportunities. Is there a story that you have been amazed by wonder that comes to mind? Oh, that's a good question. I'm, I, every day I'm I'm in awe of people and them finding wonder as well. Like, and wonder it sums up so much for me. Like, it's grace and it's love and it's beauty and it's choosing to see the good in a situation. It's choosing to learn through pain and all all of those sorts of things. It ends up being this 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 zone between the poles, as I've kind of talked about before. It's it's where meaning is created because you are open and real and vulnerable and, and in that sort of space. I experience wonder when I'm with my kids all the time and I think that's in a really natural state. Um, but I also experience it when I'm um, reacting or like <laughs> getting cranky with them for being kids and then I stop myself and I pl- lean in and play instead of being judgmental and, oh, my God, what are people thinking and that sort of thing. So this week at the airport and I travel a lot with my kids. I love taking them on adventures. <laughs> they So Sienna is five and a half and Stella's two and a half. They were riding one of the suitcases. So Sienna was pulling it, Stella was jumping on it and kind of surfing along, <laughs> right? So she's, she's there and she's pulling her along and they are wetting themselves. They think they're hilarious. And I just noticed all these mums, like older ladies around me, tisking you know, judging. Yeah, we've all seen it. We've all seen it, right, the judgy parents. So we get it. That's life. And I had this moment where I was really caught up in the moment of them laughing and then I felt myself closing in and I went to stop them and I actually decided instead to expand. And I thought, no way am I taking this moment away from my kids. Like, I love that they're risk takers and I love that they're a bit crazy and I love that they're a bit wild and so... I expanded and I held the space for them to have fun instead. And I, I, I literally in my head imagined putting a, like, you know, colourful vortex out, a rainbow light around them so that they could enjoy that. And then I saw wonder happen back. So then suddenly I started to notice around me the people who were smiling and who were laughing and who were enjoying my crazy wild kids instead of judging. And it was that kind of amazing moment where I realised that you can create wonder, you can observe wonder, you can stop wonder, or you can, you know, expand in wonder. So, yeah, hopefully that kind of... And when it does, yeah. it sounds like it's, it becomes contagious, or at least yes. it gives the opportunity for others to, to join in. To join if in. They want it's to. permission, right? <laughs> I mean, all humans are looking for is permission. Yeah. And I think we need permission to wonder. Like, we do need permission to actually just recapture that sense of childlike awe and joy and you know that moment where you're just you you're just there and you're you're smiling at a rainbow because it makes you smile or you've you've pulled over the car to watch the sunset or your kids have got chocolate all over the face and instead of reaching for a wipe straight away you actually just look at them and laugh that's going awesome and just go yeah yeah yes yes like and you know I let my kids do all kinds of weird stuff like they draw on my face and we dress up as fairies and run around in the backyard and like I really try and like stoke that sense of silly because I think that we just have a few too many rules in society and those rules actually stop us from wondering. 
they stop us from being curious, they stop us from enjoying the moment, you know, all those sorts of things. And that's the thing, I think, for me, what I, 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 I'm grinning from ear to ear just hearing <laughs> yeah. it because I think it is just that. It is that permission to just stop and it doesn't have to be a certain way. There's not 10 steps to whether it's parenting or leading or <laughs> yeah. working in business. Yeah. What's a way that we can stop and just soak up the moment? I yeah. know when my kids were much younger, but even now, often look at them and they're mucking up and I'm like, I wish they would act their age and go, they, they actually are. are. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what they're my doing. My mum and one of her best friends say that. They, they go, oh, my goodness, stop being such children, you children. <laughs> Joking. Because yeah. it is. We we expect everyone to, yeah. you know, not do that. And then, and then we look back and go... Oh, that all went so fast. Yeah. You know, oh, I miss when they had those grubby fingers. And I actually have this thing that I do. I take photos of, of things like my, my kids' grubby hands on the window or, like, those little moments. And I actually just reframe it uh, and go, you know what, I'm really glad that my kids have food that they can smear on the windows, you know, or I'm really grateful that they actually have the time to just roam around the house and make a mess because that obviously means that they've got a bit of freedom in their day or, you know, I just take that time to actually connect with instead of be frustrated by <laughs> the inevitable chaos of children. Yeah. <laughs> I just try and connect with, like, something I'm grateful for within that chaos and I think that keeps me kind of grounded in that in that wonder zone. I love that. And even just the act of taking a photo, like some doing something in action yeah. I think would be really powerful as well to stop and remember that. It's fun to look back on. <laughs> <laughs> was that chaos yeah, yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> Especially I, I looked back the other day and there was this one time when my, my girls were like, Mum, we've been painting. I was like, oh, I love it. And I paint all over their faces and I thought it was really hilarious and I took a photo and then I realised it was nail polish. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was kids' nail polish, so it actually kind of came off easily, but it was still nail polish. <laughs> um, I was pleased I'd taken a photo first because, uh, yeah. It would have freaked out in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny. I knew about to do that. Now, you've um, not only the work with Wide for Wonder and Combank, you have a multitude of businesses that yeah. you've started that you continue to run. Yeah. Where does, and I want to talk unpack some of those, yeah, cool. as well. But in a moment, um, my question is, where does that that looking for wonder where you've done with your kids actually mm. um, spill over into the world of work? Oh, I, I like that. God, you ask good questions. <laughs> um, wonder and curiosity for me go hand in hand. And when we're curious and we're open and, and, and give things a go, that comes under the umbrella of experimentation for me. And like experimentation is key when it comes to business entrepreneurship projects and, and success, really. Like I sort of see those all going sort of hand in hand. So yeah, for me, wonder is just part of life, but it's also part of business and the way that I do business. I'm, I'm curious. I'm like, oh, I wonder if this would work better or if maybe this would work better. And I love exploring all of those things, but I think it's really important to also have that anchoring that we talked about earlier. Mm. So you can be really curious and excited by sparkly things and improvement and all those sorts of things, but you actually need to have a baseline. And what being in business has taught me is it's really important to have those blueprints, those processes, those standard operating procedures for you to have as a foundation before you go off and innovate all the time. Otherwise, people just feel like they're on a crazy wild ride all the time, <laughs> which, which is fun, but you might not get everything done. So I think 
yeah, as a business owner, you know that there's that tension between living purpose and, and creating value for your customer and also making sure that you are still putting food on the table. I've had great lessons through Sienna Baby, which for me was my um, first little startup that I started with $100, beautiful little baby shoes. I knew neurologically it was important for them to get feedback from the ground. So I was looking for shoes that had a nice soft sole, couldn't find any that I liked. So I got some made up and then ended up going into business. Been in that business for five years now and the growing pain happened when I hired someone. So I was just like running it and it was fine. It was profitable and it was all kind of moving along, but you inevitably need to sort of grow. Um, I hired someone in and she is incredible and she has this wondrous sort of attitude. And we're now navigating this tension between business success and innovation and wonder. And it's like just trying to make sure that it it thrives because you've got to make sure you're still delivering value. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because I try and keep wonder, but then I think it's really important to also keep that anchoring because otherwise you do, you lose sight of what you went into it in the first place. And yeah, whether that's profitability, whether it's yeah. just the basic things need to get done yes. first and foremost. Yeah, yeah, so there's a real tension to navigate there and, and I want to create amazing things that are really fun and that are really exciting, but at the same time there's a job to be done. And that for me like is a tension that I navigate at home as well as everywhere. And I, I think that's why a lot of people get fearful around things like wonder and creativity and curiosity and all those sorts of things, because actually what can happen if you go off on this path, you can end up down a rabbit hole. You can end up, you know, chasing all these exciting things and the work doesn't get done. And that's actually what I found, for example, in Combank or other large sort of corporates that I've, I've consulted with. They have squashed creativity and they have squashed innovation because the work wasn't getting done. And so my lesson is how do you bring those two things together? Um, And I try and do that in what I do. I think that's, it is so true. I'm sitting here even thinking of organisations that we've worked alongside and that cynicism to to innovation or we tried that once and it didn't work. Mm. Um, It comes because that grounding isn't there. Yes. Um, And on the flip side... You spend a lot of time in that innovation ideas. Sometimes the sunk cost of that means we hold on to a bad idea for too long oh, yes. as well. Yes. So it's it's interesting because Sienna Baby's at this funny place now where I do need to make a decision. Like, do I keep investing and grow it or do I kill it? And am I a bit wedded to it because it's got my daughter's name in it? <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned the other day I was sort of sitting there and Sienna goes, no, you can't close Sienna Baby. Aww. That's my business. <laughs> and I went, hey, don't you <laughs> stop me from making <laughs> smart business decisions. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, this, this whole mindset for me is it's about also keeping grounded. So it's about making smart decisions that make sure that you are doing things that serve your highest good. And sometimes you can chase an idea that feels good that actually isn't good. So, you know, everything that feels good isn't good. And it's finding that balance and sometimes, yeah, actually bringing things together or killing ideas is actually the best thing to do. So there is a level of balance that's sort of required, but I still managed to produce some pretty epic, fun things (laughs) um, with that anchoring underneath. Yeah, Yeah. and it is having that discernment in the moments to kind of go, where do we go? Sometimes the the worst place to be is something's a little bit successful. If it's really not, it's super easy to make that decision. And then if it's really successful, then, of course, it's easy to make that decision. But if something is working a little bit, 
but it's yep. sucking you full of energy, yeah. uh, that can be the hardest place yep. to get to, regardless of business. But what even just helps you around that discerning of, um, and I, I imagine, and tell me if I'm wrong, yeah. that the problem is not um, what should I do, but which one yes. <laughs> should I do? You'd be so interested in so I many things. Feel what like helps this you is with my, that? Yeah, I feel like this is my life lesson. <laughs> you know, and I know I'm not the only one. We, a lot of us, are really good at a lot of stuff. But, like, I love that you actually can do anything, but you can't do everything. Mm. So how do you discern then? How do you make sure that you're doing the things that are aligned to your purpose and your passion and your skill set? And I loved, um, actually, Dr Demartini because he was talking about your high-value priorities and your low-value priorities as well as your values. And when they all line up, that's when you get up every day and you do things that inspire you and excite you and you feel like you're just absolutely, you know, running along. And I was like, that's great when you've got a big business and you can delegate. But what about if you're in a startup where you have to do those, you know, low low priority priority things that don't excite you, but you've got to get them done. Like, how do you kind of do that? And I came up with this model a couple of years ago. I call it the dessert stomach of productivity. So what I would do is I would go, right, I know what I need to get done. I know the stuff that is like the veggies on the plate that I just have to, like, I've got to do them (laughs) because they're important. But then all those, these yummy things that I can't wait to do. And I would just use them as like carrots for myself. I'd be like, right, get through that stuff and then you can play. And I actually so have a with, dessert yes. stomach. <laughs> dessert so even though I'm full, I've, I've there's worked, always space. Yeah, there's always space. There's always that little bit left in your tank where you go, you know what, that. I'm going to find time for it because it's exciting. Whereas if I build, and this is this was the opposite from what he was saying, I love polarity, I love exploring all mm-hmm. those sorts of things, but he was saying, build your whole entire day with dessert stomach activities. And I was like, that's fine if you have the empire and the resources and all those sorts of things. So if you're a startup or you're in a resource-poor team, how do you still get stuff done but make sure you're not robbing yourself of the fun? And that, for me, was where I ended up with this ecosystem of Sienna Baby, which was this amazing creative outlet that, you know, was fun to create amazing content for Instagram and and go to um, mummy blogger brunches and and do um, trade shows and, and magazine shoots and all this kind of glossy fun stuff. I was like, this is really exciting and it was kind of ticking over. Wired for Wonder was meeting these needs for me around curatorial, upgrading human consciousness, you know, really giving people opportunities to connect with thoughts and ideas outside of their world. And then I started my consulting business and started working with other blue chip clients around up, up working with them around their innovation capability. And I actually felt like I had this really lovely little environment happening for a while. But the thing about that was I'd sort of planted all of these things and then some of them started to grow. And like you said there, it's really easy to kill something that's not working. But what happens when you've got a few things that are working okay? And so I've had some tough decisions to make recently and I've had to really dig deep and go, well, where should I be investing my energy? Because I've got quite a few things on my plate and they're largely going okay. But what should I put my energy behind to make two or three, maybe two, <laughs> maybe two, maybe three, um, things really, really go harder. And yeah. that discernment is, um, is obviously key. And it's not just going to ha- it's not just going to come to you like a lightning bolt. It's actually not just this really clear decision. It actually requires you to try it on energetically and, you know, look at the business cards and see which one you prefer to hand out and actually work out what's going to work best for you moving forward financially, you know, energetically, all those sorts of things, but there's no simple way to sort of make those decisions. And I think that's representative of where we're at culturally right now because people have got this world at their 
you know, feet. You can change careers in 25 seconds. You know, overnight you can reinvent yourself. You can say I'm a social media expert and have a client tomorrow and then you've just got to deliver. So we're in this amazing place where really anything is possible but you can't do everything. So now it comes down to discernment and decision-making and that's hard. <laughs> that bit I think is where people are starting to trip over. So that skill set around curiosity and experimentation and energetically trying things on is working for me. It's allowing me to go, I don't feel bad if I make the wrong decision because I can turn around tomorrow and say, you know what, I made that decision based on these factors, but today it's different. Today I now know this and now knowing this, I've evolved my thinking and I've evolved my thinking to, to this. So, yeah, I think there's space. And sitting in that curiosity and... I think what you're describing is space. It's almost a bit of a revelation because you're right, we're in a fast-paced environment and it's almost like um, you need to know where you're going at any point in time. So even if you want to pivot or if you want to go something completely different, you need to know what the next thing is. So it's almost like there's an immediacy around decisions, but almost what you're describing is just kind of sit in the mess for a little little bit. bit. And that comfortable with chaos is something that people are not. No, (laughs) no, no, because we feel like we need to have an answer when people are going, well, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, practically, is there anything that helps you to sit in that chaos? Like from a curiosity yes. point of view, is it pen and paper? Is it like, what What do you do? Okay, so I, I, I was managing director for a company called Dunstan Baby for a while and we used to um, look at the pre-cries, so the, the sound that a baby made before a cry. It's like, it's like before the alarm, there was this little sound that they made that indicated that a need was unmet. So a baby has like these simple needs and if you make sure that they're fed and that they don't have gas and that they're sleeping, they're actually pretty sweet. And then as they develop and grow, their needs get more complex and the algorithms change, right? I like to go back to that simple stuff. So I've had a lot of chaos in my life the last 12 months, like more than most people could handle in in their lifetime. And my biggest thing was going back to basics. I actually thought to myself, I'm just going to treat myself a bit like a baby. So the important things were sleep, making sure I was eating really well, getting those little wellbeing wins in each day and not making complex decisions when I didn't have a, a charged prefrontal cortex. It was like... <laughs> I, I actually... I was thinking of my brain like my iPhone. I actually, you know, thought, okay, you know what? I'm going to look after myself like I look after my iPhone. If I'm at the airport and my iPhone is on 11%, I'm like asking a stranger for for a char- <laughs> excuse me. Do you have a charger? Helping you know? people yeah. out of the way. You for and I'm a sitting plug. on the floor. Like I'm sitting on the floor next to a plug. I don't know if you've seen you know grown business women sitting on the floor with their iPhone, making sure it's charged. I prioritised myself and my brain like your like iPhone. my iPhone. And what it actually activated within me was this total comfort with chaos. Like I was able to have a hundred apps all running at once, knowing that I can't do it all. I'm not going to get to it all today. I will get to it eventually. But right now, I'm just charging. I'm charging. And maybe I'm upgrading. Maybe there's an (laughs) iOS upgrade happening in the background. Who knows? But it just, this little switch in my mind to actually treat myself like a piece of technology, which sounds insane. (laughs) Like, everyone else is like, you know, be more human. I'm like, imagine yourself like a robot. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. We look after the technology. We look after our technology. We really do. charge. And even, I was having a conversation with someone, they were even talking about, you know, when our phones upgrade, they actually switch off. Yep. And we don't do the same. No, <laughs> like we don't. We just are constantly on the go. Yeah. So it's a really interesting yeah. metaphor. So practically, 
you're, you're yeah. actually looking after sleep. Yes, sleep. I'm, I'm meditating sleep. every single day, making sure that I go for a walk, hiding greens in my own meals, <laughs> you know, really just caring for myself like I was a pet and just making sure that I, I gave myself that space to go, you know what, life is changing. My entire world is changing. Uh, that's not just business, it's personal, it's the way that, you know, my, my, my kids are being affected. Everything in my life was, was changing. So knowing that and knowing that, okay, if I was a computer program right now and I, I learnt how to code when I was at school, it served me in such good, you know, mm. practice when it comes to change management because I think, well, if I was changing a web page, there's a number of lines of code that need to be changed. This was like a whole new overhaul, <laughs> you know. This is like a, a brand new rebuild. So taking the time to acknowledge that there's so many lines of code that are being rewritten in my life and what I mean by that are the processes that I live by. So every day we just, you know, get up and we brush our teeth and we brush our hair and we shower and we choose an outfit. A lot of that's done pre-programmed because we've done it before. And, you know, we do things a few times and we get more comfortable with them and then we eventually just don't even think about them anymore. Mm. Well, I was in a state where I had to think about everything. Everything was being, you know, live coded. <laughs> and that consciousness around, okay, I have to think about what the knock-on effect is for each of these actually just kept me really centred and grounded. Um, so, yeah, somehow the atomic bombs going off in my life, I still managed to get through and stay grounded and stay healthy and I've emerged feeling really happy and confident and I know I can cope with quite phenomenal amounts of change, which is pretty cool. Huge, huge. And it's almost um, it's almost like finding that, that anchor that you can hold on to and then you can deal with the storm and the chaos yeah. that's going around you. Yeah. Hiding, yeah. hiding the greens. Yeah, <laughs> hiding like the greens. Finding someone to burp you if that's what you need. Yeah, yeah, exactly, like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But remembering that that charge cord actually doesn't come from external. It's like actually it comes from inside. Mm. So where a piece of technology requires an external source to charge, humans don't, you know. We actually just need to stop and breathe and centre and remember that we were the ones that created technology to extend our reach. So I actually find wonder in technology too. It's not just natural environments. Like there are systems and processes around me that constantly make my life easier and I am in awe of those but we created them. So what am I capable of? And it just comes back to that moment where you then have that awe of self. You go, wow, I'm, I'm a marvellous creation. Like we all are. And we all have this infinite wisdom and, and capability within. So You mentioned meditation before. Mm. Uh, that's obviously a big part of Huge. your world. Yes. Has it always been? So no is the short answer. Um, I found meditation through a health scare. So I had a um, suspected transient ischemic attack, which is, is that? it's a mini stroke <laughs> um, when I was 29. And my neurologist was quite cool, actually. He said, why don't you go and get hypnotised? Because I've, I've heard that that can help you with stress. Um, and I was pretty stressed at the time. So um, I went along and got hypnotised, loved it. Uh, so I learnt self-hypnosis and then from there have just I've explored all the different types of meditation. Uh, for me, meditation is just even sitting in front of the TV and letting your brain go a little bit numb. Like it's just allowing yourself to actually check out. I don't think there's a right way to meditate. I think every human needs to take time out to just go inward. I think that's really, really important. And, yeah, I'm really passionate about making sure that people 
to meditate, um, even if it's closing your eyes in the car before you pick the kids up and just focusing on your breathing for a minute. You know, those little wins each day that you can eventually build up to you know, transcendental or vertical, <laughs> whatever, the, big word, whatever yeah. the fancy fancy sort of terms are. But I just think Start it's like are. any trend, you know, um, there can be all of these really big words that make it feel really inaccessible. I know for years I, I was totally freaked out by the whole wellbeing thing. Like I'd, I just felt like a drunk baby giraffe if I went to a yoga class or anything like that. And now I just go, oh, you know, I'm just going to go and give it a go. I put my growth mindset on I go, got to start somewhere. I'm not a yogi yet. <laughs> um, same with meditation. Like, you know, I've been doing it for yeah, nearly seven years now and and I don't consider myself a, a monk or anything like that. Um, but then I have had my brain hooked up to some pretty cool technology that showed that I can I can meditate like a monk, which is kind of cool. Amazing. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just practice. They call it meditation practice for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Turn up wherever you are and, yeah. and give that a go. Give your brain an opportunity to switch into a different gear. You mentioned something before when you were describing what is wonder and you talked about that wonder is actually even stepping into some of those pain moments, the yeah. moments that are less than great. Because um, sometimes we can think about, you know, wonder and curiosity is only when life's going well. Yeah. That it's Unicorns actually really important. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And look at that rainbow, or look at that breeze, or whatever. Mm. And that can be really hard to do when it feels like, um, yeah, you're kind of in that that pit of pain. Yeah. Again, how how have you kind of how has that helped to turn up in some of those kind of yeah. moments of pain or uncertainty or kind of yeah. chaos to really? How has wonder helped you? Yeah, it's such a good question. Um, so my my marriage broke down um, towards the end of last year. The most beautiful man. We've got two beautiful children. I do believe everything happens for a reason. But inevitably, with something like that, there is a lot of pain um, and a lot of sadness. And I think that there's a choice, right? You can you can sit in that and let that feeling become um, resentful and and negative, or you can sit in wonder and appreciate the experience. And I really took the time to connect with the moments of pain and I took full responsibility for where I had played, you know, the parts and and tried to understand it. But then I just I just wanted to capture the wonder of of that experience. It's not a nice experience to go through. But it's been a beautiful experience to go through and I don't think that's a normal thing to say about, you know, a, a relationship breakdown. But he's a really beautiful man and we've got these two beautiful children and instead of hiding the feelings, I sat with them and I tried to understand them and I wrote and I journaled and I connected with those moments and I finally learnt this lesson which is those experiences can be really beautiful, like actually sitting there and, and crying and, and letting that failure, you know, overwhelm you and sitting with it and then giving yourself loving kindness and acceptance around you did the best that you could. Um, yeah, it can be a really humbling, vulnerable, raw, beautiful experience. So that's wonder too. And it doesn't have to be something that we, we do quickly or that we avoid. Yeah. To actually... Yeah. Um, so, that, I mean, I know that's it as well. It's like it's not just this thing that you experience and you grieve and then it's over. It's also that that is that's part of who I am now and that's 
a new new relationship paradigm to create. And we have an opportunity to create one that works for us and for our girls. And, and we have an opportunity to be good humans that care for one another and care for our children and show them that you can still be a family in two houses. And actually sometimes two houses are better than one. And that doesn't mean that there isn't love. Like I think a lot of the time we have this real debit credit sort of scenario, which is what people have this wonder thing as well. It's like wonder is good. Well, no, wonder is, wonder is open and curious, it can be painful and it can be beautiful and it can be unicorns and sparkles and sunshine and rainbows, but it can also be thunder and storms and all of those other sorts Hard, of things. Yeah. yeah. But I think where we're evolving to is actually recognising that it's not a debit-credit situation. So a relationship breakdown doesn't mean there's no love. It just means the love's changed. And actually taking the time to sit with that and appreciate that is, is uncomfortable because it's not what people know. People people know it to be very black and white. You know, oh, it's over, so there must be no love. Yeah. Well, no, it's just different. It's evolved, it's changed. It's it's just a different energy now. That's such you a know. powerful message because I think, you know, even you know, people listening who, who might have experienced or be going through that as well, and sometimes, you know, socially, mm. it's from a society perspective, it is that black and white. Well, you know, there can't be any love anymore. How do, that almost feels like that can deny that internal. Because yeah. imagine, how do you not love this person How that you've you had not? a relationship yeah, with? Yeah, that you've made two perfect babies with, you know? Yeah. That's, that's um, for me, that's insane. It's like, well, no, of course there is. It's just, it's just as different. So, yeah, it's, it's actually, for me, wonder is also creating that, I talked about it before, that rainbow bubble around, around the experience so that others can't judge it because wonder thrives when you let it and when you protect it. Uh, when you allow others to judge it or you allow other people's opinions to sort of get in, then that can actually ruin it, <laughs> you know. Um, if you were to create these new ways, if we are to create these new ways of living, of loving, of, of being, we need wonder, we need these wonder bubbles around these, these new experiences that we're creating. For me, that opens up because when we're going through change, sometimes people around us aren't and we can be making these shifts and, and sitting in the pain and, and having these experiences or these insights and revelations. Um, but we can get judgment from people around us and sometimes yeah. from the people we love the most or the people who and we thought would be around yeah. and from ourselves. Mm. Um, and we're shifting our identity but they kind of remember who we were or what, what else was going on yeah. here. How have you kind of navigated? <laughs> I keep I keep thinking of I can't help but think of technology. It's like um, you know when Facebook gives us an update, yeah, and everyone's like, God damn it, I miss I like the old the Facebook. Way. I hate this new algorithm. <laughs> yeah, totally. I just can't stand it. And it's like they can't stand like it because it's different, days. right? And they're yeah. like grieving the good old days. And I, I think of this now because we were brought up with, like, fixed intelligence. You know, you had an IQ and you were a certain way and you had a personality type. But we know now with, like neuroscience, neuroplasticity, people are capable of change. You know, they're p- capable. Ah, oh, revelation. You <laughs> can right. teach an old dog new trick. Um, and you can update a website in moments. You can update an app overnight. You can actually update a human really quickly too. I love when technology provides this opportunity for us to actually get this feedback. And so my grounding 
was reminding myself that, and I've been through some big tech changes at Combank, like I watched when we changed NetBank or when we introduced a new app and saw the customer feedback and the, the uproars. Oh, my the God, we're not going to have tellers anymore. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And there's always that little panic where it is because what we're forcing the people around us to do is to upgrade to. And that's uncomfy. We're actually asking them to, to use you in a new way. You know, it's like, you know, I have <laughs> so new capabilities true. now. I'm different. I'm, I'm an up, upgraded version I'm of better. me. I'm better. Show me this. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. it is uncomfy because it is a new algorithm. And so when we put out change, I think it is important to remember that it's not judgment. It's actually just upgrading that's happening around you. And I learned that. At first I felt really judged. I felt like everyone around me was disconnected and they were, I could feel it. Like you can feel this shakiness around you and you're sort of going, this stuff is either going to fall away or it's going to come back stronger. And my my visualisation was I actually started to imagine, actually, I'm, I'm rewriting their code too. You know, I, I have rewritten all of these programs. I have thought about the way that I'm living and I'm changing the way that it's going. I can do that with loving kindness and I can take them on the journey with me and that's the way that I'll do it. I'll just remember that I am moving and I want them to move with me. Let the people know who you want to move, who you want to move with, if you know what I mean. So reach out to them and connect with them because people sense when you're changing and if they're not feeling like they're coming on the journey, that's when panic happens. And panic comes out as judgment. It comes out as all these, all these, you know, all these other sorts of things. If you can take the time to go, I love you. You are so important to me. I have all this crazy stuff going on. I'll be back online soon. <laughs> like, it's amazing how yeah. much space that affords so you. just taking the time. Yeah. And that's the last thing you want to do when you've got, you know, businesses and marriages and all kinds of things collapsing around you. But my learning was taking that little moment to have a coffee with the people who were important to me, let them come on the journey with me. When they would see that I was okay, that freaked them out. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Like, like, I'm meant to be propping you up. <laughs> yeah, and, and it, that in itself was like, I want you to know that I'm okay. I might not always be okay. I might need you to prop me up. And that came, you know, there yeah. were times where I would then say, hey, remember that time I said might happen? It's happened. <laughs> Bring wine. Now. <laughs> Bring wine. You know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just that consciousness that it's it's not judgment. We're just asking others to upgrade with us. Okay. And take the time with them. I really love that, mm. that it's actually okay to go, I'm going through change. This is what I'm going through. This mm. is what I'd love from you. Yeah. Uh, whether that's space or time or wine or whatever. Yeah. I think it's best just um, to ask for wine. Yeah. Because we don't really know what we want. It's our, <laughs> it's our code. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when we don't have the I joke though because I actually code. didn't drink. Like I did. I still had an occasional wine and that sort of thing. But I just found that actually having one or two was probably better because then I could focus on my sleep and my well-being and that, that baseline that I was sort of talking about. So I went from drinking quite a lot to not as much, which helped me because it kept me grounded and centred and, and calm, which was important. Get up the next change. day yeah. and do, do what needs to happen. Yeah, a couple of blowouts, but <laughs> <laughs> they're required I mean, in adults, amongst yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's curiosity in that as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in amongst all of that, you've also got some amazing things. Obviously, you've got Wired for Wonder yeah. coming up in its sixth year. Um, 
but you've also, you are taking yes. an incredible group to Fiji. Fiji. So anyone, and we'll put all the links on the show notes, but if anyone yeah, wants awesome. to hear about Nurture Her. Oh, this is exciting. And it's funny how things present at the right time, right? I've needed Where did it nurturing. Come from? Yeah. And, um, so we, oh, this is kind of cool. One of my best friends, Libby Babbitt, was on The Biggest Loser last year. So she's a celebrity trainer, but she's also a girl boss, like has amazing businesses, does extraordinary things. She and I lived together 12, 13 years ago. Uh, she met some guys doing this really cool retreat called, called Nurture Change out of New Zealand. So Steve Perry, Zach De Silva had been running that for a few years, both entrepreneurs who came together and created this retreat for New Zealand entrepreneurs. And they'd been looking for a business partner to do something within Australia and said, oh, Libs, do you want to do something? And she said, only if I can do it with my bestie. <laughs> um, and then we went to Fiji and actually designed this experience where we were fusing wellbeing, wonder, business. So looking at their model and then kind of going, well, what would work for women in Australia, New Zealand, America? And it was really fun, like actually taking time out of our business to connect with each other and have these conversations and you know what it's like, you come together mm. with, with other like-minded women and, and, and amazing possible. stuff happens. Yeah. We upgrade each other, right? We just yeah. have these conversations that help us think about things differently. So for us, we just went, yep, let's do this. Um, the learnings for us, we just jumped in. We just went, yeah, this feels good. Let's do it. Uh, it's ended up being so much bigger than what we're anticipating. We had so many women respond to it and we hadn't really thought about our customer journey. <laughs> so we've got this thing called Nurture Her and we were not nurturing our customers. So we've had to evolve on the run and learn and grow. It's just been an amazing experience for us. Uh, we've got to a place now where we've got this amazing tribe of women coming away with us. Um, Optus have just signed on as our naming partner, which is so exciting. Uh, there's a beautiful piece of jewellery being designed and given away at the event. So Fairfax and Roberts are doing a a jewellery design workshop. Wow. Which is kind of cool. Amazing. I want to win that. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, we're just, yeah, attracted these really amazing brands and people and, and we're going away for five days in October and that's going to be an annual experience. And in the midst of it all, Libby got pregnant after trying for a baby for a bazillion years and obviously some stuff with me changed and we've actually nurtured each other through the experience. So... I love when, like, a business story aligns. We have learnt so much during this experience and we've poured that into the experience, which is just going to be absolutely amazing. Uh, for me, designing experiences that shift people, like create sustainable shifts, it's it's my bag. Like, I absolutely love it. And we've got some speakers that are kind of blowing my mind. So Ariana Huffington's sister, Garvey Stasianopoulos, is coming She's written several books. She's a meditation guru, absolutely incredible. Amazing. Rahaf Hafush, who was Obama's digital social media lead on his Yes campaign, she's absolutely incredible. Um, she's spoken at Wide for Wonder in the past. Janine Alice is coming, who I know you know. You've yeah, had her on your podcast. Yeah, she's amazing. And we've got a lot of surprises off our sleeves, lots of pamper. But our real message is for women to thrive, we're not, we're not anti-men. We actually really love men, but... We need to bring women into an environment where we can nurture each other. And both Libs and I have found when you look around, it's hard to find female mentors because we actually have so much going on. You know, a lot of really great female mentors are juggling a thousand things. Like I read this article the other day and it said women today work the equivalent of three jobs. 
you know, just in terms of their hours and their output and all those sorts of things. I tired thinking about that already. (laughs) We're not looking after ourselves and we're not, it's not sustainable. So if we want to see this next generation of girl bosses, which I do and I know you do, something's got to change. So we're going to take these women away and we're going to nurture their well-being. There's going to be daily workouts and meditation and yoga and then there's sessions to really inspire their thinking and upgrade their brains and then there's a few cocktails by the pool in sunshine, in beautiful Fiji. Just Amazing. feels right, right? And the conversation, <laughs> yeah, the recipe is all there. I can't yes. think of anything else to add to the recipe. And yeah. and you're right, there, it's something, uh, there's something quite different when you get women together mm. Um, and it's not, and you're right, it's not anti-man, it's not without no, it's it, but really the not, conversation yeah. just changes. Yeah. And there is a, a real, and come come back to what you said before, was give people that safe environment. There's something a real um, kind of safe environment. So yeah. that's, ex- that's, that's really exciting. exciting. And we will do one with boys as well. So we'll do Nurture Change Australia next year, yep. which is cool because it's, you know, we want to do that too. We want to nurture men and we want to, and we actually, you know, you and hubby need to come along to that yeah. one. That's going to be good. And then the other event is we're chartering a plane from LA to Fiji. Now this one I'm this interested is, in. Yeah, Tell me about exciting. this one. This is called Unplugged. So I've got a, a genius business partner. He's so crazy. He's like, let's do this. And then it just sort of happens. So I'm taking along for the wild ride and designing this awesome experience with um one of we've partnered with a guy from America and the lineup already is extraordinary. These these entrepreneurs are throwing themselves at this experience. So it's 250 entrepreneurs from LA to Fiji. We're taking them on a plane, um, unplugging them. It's not about no technology, it's about just shifting our way of living and, and really thinking about how we can think about our business and our lives differently. So they're the only people on the plane, you're chartering the plane, 250 yep. are all there for this one purpose. Yeah. Amazing. Pretty cool. Yeah. So it starts the moment they board and continues on after that. So, uh, yeah, it's a pretty exciting experience to be crafting and, you know, there's there's opportunities to influence people at all levels through events and experiences. Something cool that happens when you can influence entrepreneurs given that there's then that knock-on effect. You know, these are thought leaders with their own blogs and their own podcasts and their own TV shows and all those sorts of things. And so if we can create shifts in their thinking, then the knock-on effect in their communities is obviously going to be very exciting. It's (laughs) huge. It's huge, the impact and the growth that can continue to happen if people yeah. don't feel burnt out, if they feel like they're supported and there's yes. somewhere they can get more ideas and, and grow. Absolutely. What's the next growth for you? Oh, I definitely want to do something with youth. So, yeah, I, I jokingly said to someone the other day, wouldn't it be cool to do like a burning TED? <laughs> Bring together like Burning, burning Man, Man and with like TED Talks yeah. and kind of like throw it together, then realise that actually setting a big teddy on fire would be quite frightening <laughs> for small children. But the whole concept of fusion and really inspiring our youth and giving them a space and permission to be themselves is something that literally lights me up. Like I get I get so excited. So there's definitely something to do with youth. Um, I've written a book called The Wonder Mindset. I'm just trying to figure out whether I self-publish or publish. I've got some, someone gave me Tony Robbins um, publishers details. It's kind of friendly. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Um, and then most important, it's just trying to navigate this whole motherhood business thing. Like I want to be a really grounded, awesome mum that gives that energy and that permission and that space for my girls to come through. Like I sort of think of it as like they're, they're blooming and so I want to kind of make sure that I'm doing that for them as well. And in order to do that, you've got to have that space for yourself. So yeah. true because when I'm happy and thriving and have good energy, they are. Like they sing 
that for me is a rule. I, I give myself KPIs as a mum. I'm like, what am I? What what's does success look like in the household? You know, it's, for <laughs> this me, is your HR background, right? right? My HR background, <laughs> got practices and yeah. processes in place. So what are your KPIs? So it's not like normal women would come around and be like, well, you haven't folded your washing, you know, like oh, they'd be no one does at me. That. But like, actually, they're not my KPIs. My KPIs are: has creativity happened today? So, like, have we had an opportunity to be creative? And that doesn't necessarily mean crayons and pencils and things like that. It might be, I don't know, blowing up balloons and putting them in the bath or, like, just doing something that really just is about encouraging their imagination, sensory play in some sort of way. Have they sang? Like, have they? Have I just caught them singing to themselves? And that, you know, like a little happy singing child, like, you know there's something good happening in their brain if they're making up songs and that sort of thing. And my kids sing, like all the time they're making out these little songs in the backyard have I at the end of the day had to clean up some sort of creative mess <laughs> I know that sounds mad but like again it's like that, yeah it's like tick yeah. you know they're, they're doing something that's outside of there did they have dirty clothes like did they live yeah. you know I think that as a KPI should be a good one imagine if instead of going oh my god my kids made a mess you actually went yes that means they lived today. Yeah. You know, that means that they got their fingers dirty and that they played and that they explored and magic is happening in their brain when that happens. And then the final one is what did we fail at? Because we've got this thing in our house and my, my Sienna, who's five and a half, she says the most amazing thing. She blows my mind. She goes, mistakes are a party in the brain, which they are, right? They totally so. are. <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes. Yeah. <laughs> She's a genius. Mistakes are a party in the brain. Yeah. Party in the brain. Yeah. So did we make any mistakes? Plenty of mistakes. (laughs) Did we make any mistakes? And like, did we just go, you know, and and I've got this thing, like if I make one, I make sure I tell them, oh, I made a mistake. And at first it's really confronting because you're actually telling your children you failed. (laughs) And you want to almost wash it Mm -hmm. before you tell them, right? Like it's always like, let me clean it. I'm like, no, here it is. Okay, mummy's being vulnerable. Here's where I messed up. Here's why. Here's why I'm, I'm sorry. And, you know, I then go, mum's a goose. Like, I had a bit of a goosey moment. I'm just going to make sure I don't do that next. And then they laugh and call me a goose and, you know, we have a dance party and life goes on. I love that. I love that. KPIs of (laughs) of what's actually going on. (laughs) With them. Make them positive. Look for opportunities for growth. All that kind of stuff. And celebrate. Oh, you have to because it's hard, right? It's hard. Life's hard. We wait to for the... The big stuff, but it's the little stuff. So let's celebrate our imperfections. Then it's then life's a party. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I want to end on my final question. Uh, obviously, the name of the podcast is God's Standout Life. Yeah. When you hear that term, what does it mean to you to live a standout life? Such a good question, and I just I love your book, and I love I love the challenges and the the questions that you have through. They're really really good. Um, for me, standout life is oh, it's courage. It's like it's knowing, you know, that thing inside that you want to do and that you know it's scary and people are going to judge you or get upgraded by you, <laughs> um, but you know you have to do it. That's that's it. And when you do that and you realise that you wake up the next day and the world isn't over and, yes, you've lost a few friends or you've, you may be living in a different house or whatever it is, but you're still breathing, yeah, you start to gain more courage and then you continue to stand a little bit taller so give me goosebumps <laughs> thank you it's been <laughs> such a delight oh so good thank here's you so much courage. for having me here's to more courage and more mistakes <laughs> party in, party your, brain. in your brain <laughs> <laughs> thank you. 
If you've enjoyed today's episode, then there's every chance that you might also enjoy reading a copy of my book called Stand Out, a real world guide to get clear, find purpose and become the boss of busy. You can grab a copy by heading to my website, www.alisonhill.com.au. If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd love it if you could take a few moments, pop over to iTunes and give this podcast a quick rating so that we can continue to share these conversations with people around the world. As always, I'm Ali Hill and this is Standout Life.